0: At Alina Health, it's our mission to provide exceptional care, prevent illness, restore health, and provide comfort to all people
1: in our community. Here's your host, Melanie Cole, with the WellCast. Deodorant and antiperspirants cause breast cancer. Sugar feeds cancer. Men don't get breast cancer. These are a few of the myths that surround breast cancer. There are many myths that have made their way into the public thought, but how are you to know what to believe? My guest today is Dr. Lisa Schneider. She's a board-certified radiologist at Piper Breast Center, a part of Alina Health. Welcome to the show, Dr. Schneider. Let's start, and let's try and bust up some of these myths deodorant and antiperspirants being the first one. During our mammograms, we are told not to put deodorant on, but that's just because it can cloud the picture, correct?
0: Uh, Good morning, Melanie. Absolutely correct, yes. Um, Deodorant can cloud the picture. It can show up as little white dots called calcifications because there is metal or calcium and uh, metal fragments in deodorant, so it can sometimes look like little metal fragments in your breast then if you have it on. However, the National Cancer Institute has done some exhaustive studies on deodorants and causing breast cancer, and it's just simply not true. Deodorants and antiperspirants do not cause breast cancer.
1: So let's go to the second one I mentioned, sugar, because, boy, we sure hear a lot about sugar, and certainly we have an obesity epidemic, and there's also an epidemic of diabetes in this country related to sugars, but do sugars feed cancer?
0: They do not. There is no data to support that increased sugar intake causes cancer or encourages its progression. Now, you're correct about the obesity epidemic, and you're correct about, um, you know, Americans being larger in general, and obesity is associated with an increased risk of breast cancer. So keeping the weight off is important, but sugar itself, per se, does not feed cancer.
1: So people have heard that mammograms and the radiation can cause cancer, but one that I've heard a little bit more often is that a mammogram can cause breast cancer if you do have it to spread because of that squishing technique and that it's like popping the tumor and spreading it around the breast.
0: Right. Bust that one up. No. uh, Mammograms do not cause breast cancer. In fact, since mammograms have been widely introduced into the United States in the 1980s and the 1990s, the death rate, the mortality rate of breast cancer has decreased. So um, it's because of that early detection. It's because of finding those cancers early when they're treatable and curable, and you have less aggressive options and uh, more options for treatment. So mammograms themselves do not cause breast cancer if mammograms did cause breast cancer, we would have seen a decrease, or I'm sorry, an increase in in the mortality rate of breast cancer, not a decrease. There is no, um, absolutely no evidence in any literature that I am aware of that uh, having a yearly annual mammogram after the age of 40 has caused a woman's breast cancer.
1: And a big one, women are afraid because over the years we've heard about hormone replacement therapy as you start to enter perimenopause and menopause when yes your risk of breast cancer is increased because of menopause but hormone replacement therapy and even in younger women birth control pills do these contribute to breast cancer well
0: and the answer is a little a little gray here so it, it depends and um, you're correct you know the older the older age group the older we get um, the the increased risk of breast cancer goes up and tell about Age 80, and then it starts to drop off again. But um, and regarding hormone replacement therapy, it depends. Now, the combined estrogen and progesterone increases the risk of developing breast cancer, and that there are some studies that show that there's a higher risk associated with the longer use of those combined. Um, uh, hormonal replacement therapies, and women that start soon after menopause. However, the risk diminishes after five years of discontinuation. So if women are taking this combined therapy and just to get them through some perimenopausal symptoms for a couple of years, and they're off of it then, after five years, their risk really goes, goes down. And then the estrogen-only um, hormone replacement therapy, it, it's less clear, and there's conflicting studies on this. One study that was part of a World Health um, Initiative study showed that estrogen alone, that there was actually a decreased risk of breast cancer of about 23%. But there are some... Studies, some observational studies that have shown that there's a slight increased risk in estrogen users, particularly in lean women who started soon after menopause. So it's not exactly clear. This is where it's just important for a woman to talk to her doctor about her personal risk of developing breast cancer versus sort of perimenopausal symptoms.
1: And while we're talking about personal risk, and we will get into the BRCA gene, but what about alcohol consumption and cigarette smoking? exercise, lifestyle choices, because we've heard both ends of the spectrum that they do contribute. We've also heard that things like folic acid can help negate some of the effects of alcohol on that risk for breast cancer.
0: Right. So I call these the modifiable risk factors. And so I always tell women, you know, we can't change our sex. We can't change our aging process. We can't change our genetic profile. But we can change things like postmenopausal obesity and alcohol consumption and breastfeeding. So numerous studies have confirmed that alcohol consumption increases the risk of breast cancer in women by about 7 to 10% for each 10 grams, and that's roughly one drink of alcohol consumed per day. So the um, American Cancer Society and a lot of um, bigger health groups recommend that women only have one drink per day. They've shown that women that have two to three drinks per day have a 20% higher risk of breast cancer compared with non-drinkers. Um, alcohol use increases our estrogen or androgen levels, which promotes a potential environment for breast cancer. Um, and then in terms of the breastfeeding, it's, it's, um... Uh, beneficial and helpful. Most studies suggest that breastfeeding for one year or more reduces a woman's overall risk of breast cancer.
1: So then what about the BRCA gene? Does that mean if you are someone who gets tested that you will definitely develop breast cancer or are you just being told that you now have an increased risk?
0: You're being told that you have a significant increased risk relative to the rest of the population. And we really try to get aggressive with these women in terms of screening for breast cancer and other cancers such as ovarian and colon. And um, I, and, and, and even take it to the point of when you, these women have completed their childbearing years of considering undergoing a prophylactic mastectomy and oophorectomy to prevent the possibility of developing breast ovarian cancer and just to do everything they can. Women with the BRCA gene still can develop breast cancer and ovarian cancer even after undergoing a prophylactic mastectomy or ovarian cancer. But right now, the data suggests that if, you know, if you do these things, then I think at the end of the day, you can say you've done absolutely everything despite having what we would consider maybe an unfavorable genetic profile. But no, not all women who do have the BRCA gene get it. But once you do have that gene, um, we in the medical community, like I said, we get aggressive about our recommendations to these women.
1: Breast cancer is always in the form of a lump, and if you feel a lump in your breast, wow, you should freak out because you have cancer.
0: (laughs) Absolutely not. The majority of the times when women feel a lump in their breast, it's either normal fibroglandular tissue or a benign lump, such as a cyst or a fibroadenoma. Um, so don't freak out. Um, stay calm. You, If you're a person that doesn't worry, and it's not going to keep you up at night. I tell a lot of women that are still menstruating, follow it through a menstrual cycle. If it goes away, then fine. You don't need to do anything because it's gone. If it gets bigger, if it starts to keep you up at night, or if it becomes fixed, those are things that maybe you want to go in for a little bit sooner rather than later.
1: When we're looking at our breasts, what should we be looking for as far as skin irritation and nipple inversion, scaliness? What do you want women to look for? Um,
0: you know, it's just always great for women just to be familiar with their bodies and if they notice a change. So if they notice a change in exactly skin changes, nipple inversion, um, you know, we there are a lot of women that come in for a mammogram and they say, I've had this nipple inversion for five years, don't worry about it. And So I don't, you know, so I usually, you know, let the woman tell me um, and if they're uncertain, again go to your doctor, and then let your doctor sort of direct what next step needs to happen. Um, I know there's a lot of conflicting information out there about whether or not a self-breast exam is useful. I don't think it's ever an unhelpful thing for a woman to be familiar with her body, and if she feels something that just doesn't feel right to get it checked out, there's little harm in doing that.
1: And the last one is mammograms, because this being one of your areas of expertise, I would assume, 3D mammograms, tomosynthesis, whole breast ultrasound, regular 2D mammogram, are we supposed to be getting them every year after a certain age? You know, ACOG, there was a whole big controversy about when you should be getting your mammograms and how often. Clear up this last bit of confusion for us, Dr. Wow. Schneider.
0: Well, I I wish I had an hour. It is, it is a confusing topic. I will say that all of the... Um All of the the, the bodies of information that are out there, the American Cancer Society, the United States Preventative Services Task Force, the American College of Radiology, ACOG, they all agree on one thing. They absolutely all agree that the most lives are saved if women start screening mammograms commencing at age 40 and annually thereafter. However, where they disagree is the potential harms of mammography, the potential false positives, and the unnecessary biopsy that we have to sometimes do to make sure there's not a cancer there once we find an abnormality on the mammogram. So that's where they disagree and recommend that women start at different ages and perhaps not every other year. I work in a breast center every day. I see the benefits of women getting a mammogram starting at age 40 and every year thereafter. I've seen the data of, of the death rate going down from breast cancer by thirty percent because of early detection and improved therapy, and so um, and I work in this area and it is it is not a frightening or scary area for me. I I see very little downside into having a mammogram after the age of forty. There's just not a lot of downside to a woman to do that.
1: So, wrap it up for us with your best advice for women about when they hear these myths and their girlfriends and they're all talking about these things birth control and hormone replacement and all of these things put together. What do you tell women that you really want them to know about good breast health?
0: You know, you are in control of certain things. You are in control of your lifestyle and what you put in and, um, and your, your exercise routine. And I would just urge a woman to, to talk with her doctor and go to the American Cancer Society. They've got some great guidelines for healthy living and a healthy lifestyle. Those are things we can control. And I just usually kind of, you know, give this work back to the woman herself to do. And I think that's empowering. And I think uh, we also can give women knowledge. And so I always urge women to talk to their doctors and go on reliable websites, such as American Cancer Society or WebMD. And another one that I really like for women um, is called EndTheConfusion.org. And it sort of just spells out about screening mammography and what ages are, you know, considered optimal to start.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lisa Schneider. That was really great, amazing information for women to hear and so important. You're listening to The Wellcast with Alina Health. And for more information, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.